Revelation, the book of the Revelation, chapter 3. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 3, thank you so much for joining us today, meeting with the church family. Revelation chapter 3, if you are our guest, again, let me uh, say how pleased I am on behalf of our church family that you're with us, and that's a, uh, certainly a blessing. Uh, it, please don't forget, after the service, if you are our, our guest, uh, meet my wife and I at the blue table, we'd like to uh, put a name with the face and give you a gift from our church and let you know how much we're glad that you're here and make that personal connection for just a moment. Revelation chapter 3, if you'll stand with me please for the reading of God's Word, Revelation chapter number 3, and let's see, it is 1130, and if you'll listen quickly this morning, uh, we'll get you to lunch quickly, amen? How many of you are in favor of that? All right, man, not as many as I thought. You like church. You want to stay here all afternoon. I get it. Okay, fine. Uh, <laughs> Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 14 is where we'll begin. Revelation 3 verse 14. The scripture says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Verse 17, because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyesalve that thou mayest see. Verse 19, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Notice verse 20 is our text. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. I want to preach this to you this morning on this subject, Jesus on the outside. Jesus on the outside. And let's pray together. Our Father, <clears throat> I pray that you'd help us in these next few moments. Help us to set aside anything that would be a distraction to us. I pray that uh, your spirit would work in our spirits today. For uh, this is the gathering of your people. And as your people, your spirit dwells within us. And I pray that your spirit would bear witness with our spirit and that uh, you do good work in our hearts today. Uh, Father, help us not to leave Jesus standing on the outside of our lives. What a tragedy that he who wishes to come in to us as Christians and to fellowship with us and to empower us and to help us through our daily routine many times is left standing out in the cold, as it were, standing on the outside wanting to come in. Father, I pray that you'd help us to see a very important truth this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. <clears throat> the first three chapters of the book of Revelation are dedicated to messages from Jesus to seven, uh, seven different churches in Asia. Now, if you had a map this morning, <clears throat> and uh, perhaps you have some maps in the back of your Bible... But if you uh, were to locate these seven churches, you would find that they were, all of these churches are in what is now the, uh, the western part of modern-day Turkey in that area. We call it Asia Minor. These were physical churches just like the Lake Crest Baptist Church. 
Uh, these churches were unique to themselves. They were all local congregation of, of uh, baptized believers. And by the way, that's what a church is. A church is a local group, a local assembly of baptized believers. There are two, requ uh, two requirements to being a member of the Lake Crest Baptist Church. First of all, you've got to be saved. You've got to make a profession of faith that Jesus Christ is your Savior. And number two, you must be scripturally baptized after salvation. Those are the two requirements to be a member of a local Baptist church. And so, uh, but a, a church is not some invisible thing. Uh, a church is not a, a universal church. There's no such thing as a universal church. There's no such thing as an invisible church. And a lot of people like to, be, to say, well, you know, I'm part of the invisible church. Because if you're part of the invisible church, you can have, indivis uh, you can have invisible attendance. And you can give invisible tithes. And, uh, and you can have invisible involvement. But uh, nowhere in the scripture do you read anything about an invisible church. No, a church is a called out <coughs> assembly of baptized believers. And so, in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, you find messages that were given, uh, that were sent by Jesus to the pastor... He uses the term angel. He says, unto the angel of the church at Philadelphia, the angel of the church at Smyrna, and so on. He sends these messages to the pastor of each of these churches. And I want you to notice something very interesting. Uh, the messages to each one of these churches were unique to what God knew about them and what God expected from them. By the way, God knows all about you. And God knows all about me. We don't have any secrets from God. We don't have any... Uh, we don't have any secret compartments in our hearts that God doesn't have access to. No, he knows everything. He knows that about us individually, and he also knows that about us corporately as a church body. <clears throat> and so uh, these messages were sent uh, by Jesus to the pastors of these different churches in Asia Minor. And in the letter would be, uh, first of all, a commendation. Jesus would commend these churches and say, here's what you're doing that I really like. Here's what you're doing that I, I really approve of. And I want to give you a little bit of a, that a boy uh, for, for all the good things that you're doing, a commendation. And then he would follow that commendation with a condemnation. He would say, now, I've got something against you, church at Smyrna or church at Pergamos or church at Thyatira or church at Ephesus and so on. He said, I would, he, he would tell them all the good that they did, and then he would tell them that which they were not doing so well, the wrong that was going on in their church. And then he would tell them how to make the wrong right. Isn't God good to want to correct us? He says it right there in verse number 19, whom the, he said, whom I love, I chasten. And God is very good to all of us, even in things that we don't see as being good. God is good to chastise us spiritually. God is good to correct us, just as you as a parent uh, have that uh, responsibility of correcting your children to put them in a path uh, of the way that they ought to go. That's, that's part of our job as a parent, not just to be their buddy. No, we're supposed to channel them in the right direction. Well, God is our Heavenly Father, and He wants to channel us as Christians in the right direction. And so He writes to these churches, and He tells them what's right, and then He tells them what's wrong, and then He tells them how to make right that which is wrong. Now, in the passage that we just read, Jesus addresses the church of the Laodiceans. Unfortunately, He has nothing good to say about them. <laughs> You ever heard of the sandwich method? You know what I'm talking about? The sandwich method? 
whenever you're talking to somebody and uh, you need to correct a problem, sometimes the sandwich method goes like this. You tell them something good, and then you correct them, and then you tell them something else that's good. You sandwich the correction. Everybody knows what I'm talking about? Well, <clears throat> that's kind of what the Lord does here, all except when he comes to the church of the Laodiceans, there's no bread on top. Are you with me? There's nothing good to talk about. All he says, look, <clears throat> hey, I've got something against you. He said, uh, he said, you're neither hot nor cold. He said, you're lukewarm. He said, you make me sick. And that's the God of the universe. That's, that's Jesus Christ himself talking to one of his churches and saying, you folks make me sick. Now, <clears throat> you might say, well, pastor, that's a little bit harsh. He's just telling the truth. He's just giving it to them like it is. The church at Laodicea, was uh, they were a wealthy church. They, they had some material possessions and so forth. But uh, Laodicea, the city of Laodicea, was a city that was apparently noted for its warm spring water. Uh, years ago, I went to a town in Arkansas, Hot Springs, Arkansas. Anybody here ever been to Hot Springs, Arkansas? Some of you have beautiful location it's there in the uh the uh, foothills of the ozark mountains in uh, i believe that's central arkansas if i'm not mistaken but uh beautiful town and it's noted as you might guess for its hot springs Ta-da! anyway uh <coughs> hot springs arkansas and uh well the church at laodicea or the the city of laodicea was known for its lukewarm or warm springs now that those springs or those waters from those springs were pleasant for bathing, but they were sickening to drink, literally. And so you see here where Jesus gives this analogy of something that all these Laodiceans could relate to because he said, you are not cold water, you're not hot water. He said, you're like the lukewarm springs from your town. He said, it's good for nothing but inducing vomiting. That's what he said. He said, I want to spew you out of my mouth. And he gave an analogy that they all could relate to from their own geographical distinctions of their town. And he said, you make me sick. Now, that's pretty strong language. He said, you're rich and you're increased with goods and you have need of nothing, including me. <laughs> he said, you don't need me anymore. He said, you're lukewarm in your prayer life. You're lukewarm in your praise for me. You're lukewarm in your love for me. You're lukewarm in your desire to please me. You're lukewarm in your dependence and need for me. And in, in, in his appeal to these Christians in this church at Laodicea, we come to what Jesus said in verse number 20, and this is the text verse. Look at it again with me, if you will. Revelation chapter 3, verse number 20. Now, keep in mind, he's talking here to save people, okay? Save people. Revelation 3.20 is to save people. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. The word sup is short for supper, amen? Now, you might call it dinner, but the Bible calls it supper, amen? It's in the book. He said, I'll come into him and I'll sup with him and he with me. In other words, I want to fellowship with you. I want to get to know you. Hey, I want us to be really close friends. Understand something. Uh, the title of the message this morning is simply this, Jesus on the outside. Jesus on the outside. You see, the Christians in the church at Laodicea, they were guilty of leaving Jesus on the outside of their lives. The outside of their lives. 
He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now, logic tells us that if we're knocking on the door, chances are you don't go inside of your house and start knocking on the door. If you do that, you're strange. Okay? You're not going to go home when you, uh, from church today, and as soon as you get inside the door, knock on the back of the door just for the fun of it. The reason why people knock on the door, this is, this is going to be one of those, aren't you glad you came to church to learn this kind of things, okay? The reason why people knock on the door is because they want to get inside, okay? Ta-da! That's why people knock on the door. And Jesus here said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. You know why? Because he's wanting to get on the inside. The message is Jesus on the outside. I want you to see, first of all, this morning, the perception of the church. The perception of the church. Look, we'll look back at verse 17, if you have a Bible open in front of you. Revelation chapter 3, verse 17 he said, because thou sayest, I am rich, I am increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. Now the perception of the church, of the Laodiceans, was simply this. Hey, you know what? We're okay. We're fine. We don't need anything, God. We have money in the bank. <clears throat> we live in a nice house. We drive a nice chariot. <clears throat> We're we're doing okay financially. <clears throat> we really don't need you, God. We really don't need you, Jesus. We, you know, uh, it's not that we have a disdain for you. Oh, we're thankful that you saved us. We're thankful that you uh, brought us up out of, miry, uh, 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 the, uh, out of a pit and uh, out of the miry clay and set our feet upon a rock and established our goings. We're happy about all that. Don't misunderstand us, Jesus. But you know what? We can just kind of take it or leave it when it comes to having you as part of our everyday life. That's what they were saying. And that's why God said, you make me sick. The perception of the church was all wrong. The perception was we're content with playing church. We're content with putting in our time. We're content with going through the motions. We're content with just, uh, uh, just being saved. We're content with just going through the, the routine of Sunday morning, Sunday night, maybe even Wednesday night for many of these people. I don't know what their schedule was, but they were just, they were satisfied with where they were. That's the best way to put it. They were content with their relationship with the Lord. They were satisfied with where they were, and they had no desire to go forward. God deliver us from the mentality of being satisfied with where we are. God deliver us from the mentality of being, con oh yes, content with what we have, but not content with where we are. I want to be like the Apostle Paul, who in Philippians chapter 3 said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul said, I want to know more about Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to live more for Jesus. I want, to, I want him to be the, the, the hub, the centerpiece of my life. I don't want to be just ho-hum Christianity. But these people... Their perception of where they were was, hey, you know what? We're okay. May I help all of us this morning? Ain't none of us okay. I know that's bad grammar, but it's a wonderful truth. None of us are just okay. Hey, we're sinners. 
We're sinners saved by the glorious grace of God, and but for the grace of God, we'd all be in hell today or well on our way to hell today. And who are we to be satisfied with where we are or what we are and say, God, I'm just okay. I'll just do what I want, where I want, when I want, with whom I want. God, just I'll go through the motions, and you ought to be satisfied with that, God, because I'm not changing anymore. I'm not going to go on for you. I'm not going to try to, to, uh, to, to, to draw closer to you. God said, I don't want you to be that way. He said, that sickens me. But that was their perception. Their perception of the church. And I want you to see this. The location of the Savior. The location of the Savior. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. You people on the inside, you don't think you need anything. You folks on the inside there at the church of the layout of sins, you think you're okay. He said, but let me tell you something. I'm out in the cold. And that brings us to the purpose of why the people were the way they are or the way they were because they left Jesus outside Jesus was outside the door he said behold I stand at the door and knock he said hey I'm out here he was on the outside looking into their lives look we live in 21st century America and Jesus is on the outside of our nation this morning I don't think anybody would argue that point Jesus is standing on the outside of the door of fellowship as far as the United States of America is concerned. I'm a red-blooded American, and I love our country. I, I, I love uh, our, our founding fathers. I love our heritage. I love our Constitution. I love our Declaration. I love our armed forces. I love the men and women who wear the uniform. I, I, I love America. Every, I love all the, the, the geography of America. I love it. I love it. But understand something. America's in trouble because Jesus is on the outside. Jesus is on the outside of our nation, and he's knocking. By the way, when you leave Jesus out, things go south in a hurry. When you leave Jesus out of the equation, and by the way, that's what's happened in our society. Back in the early 1960s, they kicked Jesus out of the public school system. They told him to take his book with him. And ever since then, ever since they kicked God out of the public school system in our country, hey, we've been in a downward spiral. And, and, and whereas 50, 60, 70 years ago, the, the premier problems in the school systems in our country was talking in class and uh, chewing gum without permission and uh, occasional tardiness. Would to God those were the three worst problems in our public school system today. Now, I thank God for those uh, men and women who, uh, who still teach our young people and our children. And by the way, there's some good teachers in there who, uh, uh, and by, I know personally some teachers who love the Lord and do what they can as the law will allow them to, to be a beacon in a dark world. But you listen to me, there, there's a philosophy of those in, in, uh, in high places in our country who want nothing to do with God and, and the training of our children, and it's killing us. And somebody needs to say it every now and then. It's killing us. You know why? Jesus is outside the door. Jesus is outside the door. <clears throat> you don't kill millions and millions and millions of unborn innocent babies and have Jesus inside the door of your country. You don't do that. You don't have Jesus on the inside in your country when the, when the uh, transgender uh, garbage is being promoted and not just tolerated but promoted as an agenda in our country. I'm simply saying Jesus has been left on the outside of our morals. He's on the outside of our, of our conscience. He's on the outside of everything that we hold dear, and we're paying a price for it in America today. The location of the Savior. Jesus is on the outside of many churches today. This was one of them. 
Laodicea was the, is the premier example of a church. I'm talking about a local body of baptized believers. It's an example of a church that has said to Jesus, the founder, the head of the church, we're good. We're okay. We're okay. Hey, we'll go through the motions. <clears throat> we'll look the part. We know what to say. We know when to show up. We know when to say amen. We know when to, we know all the outside phylacteries of religion and Christianity, but we're good just like we are. Thank you very much. What a horrible place to be. Jesus on the outside, he's knocking on the door, as it were, of this church, and he says, hey, can I come in? I want to help you. I want to empower you. I want to enrich you. I want to, to, uh, uh, to give you that abundant life we talked about in Sunday school today. I want you to live a life of love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and all those things. I, I have it for you. It's right here. But he's on the outside. And many churches are content just to say corporately, that's okay. We don't need revival. Oh, that's okay. We don't need to be stirred. Oh, that's okay. <clears throat> uh, we, 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 uh, we're fine like we are. You know, you know how churches get that way? Because individuals, Christians get that way. I get that way, and you get that way. Look, <clears throat> revival comes to one person at a time. Jesus being involved in our churches comes from Jesus being involved in our homes and in our hearts. Jesus is he's on the outside in many, in many of our own hearts this morning. Now, I'm not speaking about salvation just yet. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But again, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 was not written to unsaved people. It was written to save people. It was written to a local body of baptized believers. And he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and I'll, I'll sup with him and he with me. Look, listen to me. The message is simply this. Jesus is on the outside in many of our hearts. Is he outside of our thinking? Is he outside of our time? Is Jesus on the outside of of our affections is Jesus on the outside of our priorities it's amazing how many things can come between us and a closer walk with Jesus there's a song I'm not sure if it's I think it's in our songbook I'm not sure <clears throat> just a closer walk with thee just a closer walk with thee granted Jesus is my plea daily walking close to thee let it be dear Lord let it be is that really our heart's desire or would we rather be closer to something else or someone else? Would we rather be closer to a hobby or closer to a sport or closer to you just fill in the blank right there? Hey, listen to me. I'm afraid Jesus has taken a back seat in many of our affections and many of our priorities and many of our uh, much of our time. Why? Because he's standing on the outside saying, hey, remember me? I'm just your savior. I'm just the one who gave everything so that you could have eternal life. He's knocking and maybe he's thinking to himself, after all I've done for them. And I, look, I'm preaching to all of us, this preacher included this morning. How many times has Jesus looked at my life and probably with a tear in his eye said to himself, hey, I gave everything for him. I gave my life for him. I left the, the glories of heaven and came down to a, a manger in Bethlehem and was, was brought into the world through, uh, through the womb of a virgin and grew up 33 and a half years of perfection and went to Calvary and suffered and bled and died and was buried and rose again after three days. I gave it all for him. And this is what I get. I wonder if God sometimes looks at us and says, man, 
I didn't get what I paid for. You ever been somewhere and you paid for something and you got it home and you thought, this isn't what I paid for. Remember one time ordering something online and um, my wife get a kick out of this. It's uh, back when uh, I was going to be real uh, thoughtful and get her a coach purse one time. It's been several years ago. So you got, I, I bought, I've gotten better at this, by the way, than from the story that I'm about to tell. <clears throat> but uh, so I went online. I was trying to find a good deal, amen. And sometimes when you find what looks to be a really good deal, it's sometimes a, a deal that's too good to be true. You, all of us can't give testimony about that. <clears throat> so I went online. I found a really good deal on a coach bag purse or whatever. And uh, so <clears throat> I ordered it, and man, it was like 75% off of anything I'd ever seen in the store anywhere. Red flag. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> and uh, so I ordered it, and uh, Brother Dave, I noticed it, it was taking really long for it to get to the house. And there's a reason for that, by the way. <laughs> so <clears throat> I got it, and I don't know if it was for a birthday gift or a Christmas. I forget what the occasion was. It was probably just because I was a good husband. I was just trying to show my love and affection for my wife. But that's probably just one of those just because gifts, you know. That's my story, and I'm sticking with it. <clears throat> but anyway, I put it in a box, wrapped it up, gave it to her. And she was very kind, very gracious. Oh, it's beautiful. I love it. And da 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 da. And, but on closer inspection, I noticed there was a lot of writing on the inside of that package, on that packing slip or invoice that I didn't understand. It looked like it was from a land far, far away. <laughs> China, to be exact. <laughs> but anyway, you say, preacher, what was it? It was a knockoff. <laughs> That's what it was. It was a knockoff. You know what? <clears throat> I didn't get what I thought I was paying for. I wonder if sometimes God looks at us and says, you know what, I gave a lot for those folks. And by the way, he did. He did. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 32, it tells us that God delivered up his son for us all. His son. There's not a person in this room who would give your son or your daughter for anybody. Whoa. You wouldn't, and neither would I. But that's what God did for us. Jesus is knocking on the door. The location of the Savior. I hasten number. I want you to see number three, the invitation to the saints. The invitation to the saints. He said in verse number 20, If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. The invitation, hey, if Jesus is on the outside of your home or the outside of your, your own personal life, he extends an invitation to all of us this morning, and he said, if any man will hear my voice from the outside and say, hey, Jesus, would you come in? If someone came to your door this afternoon and knocked and knocked and knocked some more, you got two choices. You can open the door or you can leave it shut, just let them knock. Hopefully they'll go away. But the invitation from the Savior is simply this. It's a twofold invitation. Jesus invites us to invite him in. Look at what he said. If any man hear my voice and open the door, you've got to open the door. You know Jesus won't force himself on you. He won't. The blessed Son of God, who also, by the way, is the creator of the universe, he doesn't force himself on anybody. 
He who deserves to be praised all the time doesn't force himself on any of us who should be giving him praise. He said, if any man hear my voice and open the door, if you're satisfied living life without his presence, he won't bully his way into your life. He will not force himself upon you. He invites us to invite him in. But may we all be warned this morning, doing our own thing without the aid and presence of the Almighty God and his Son and the power of his Spirit, it has consequences. If you want to live your life any old way, you know what? God will let you do that. Let me say this. The Bible does say if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If you're saved, there ought to be, there's a desire somewhere in your soul that says, you know what? I want Jesus to come into me. I'm not, I'm not saying get saved all over again. I'm, we're talking about fellowship here, not salvation, just to make that clear. But if you're saved, there's something on the inside of your life that should say, you know, I'd like to be a little closer to Jesus than I am right now. I'd like to have just a little closer walk with the Lord than I have right now. Hey, I'm simply saying all of us need to have just a hint of dissatisfaction in our own hearts with where we are spiritually. Every single one of us ought to have a little bit of hunger and a little bit of thirst and a little bit of a desire. In fact, and and we ought to cultivate that desire and feed that desire to, to be like the Apostle Paul to say, hey, that I may know him. That was his life's ambition was to know Jesus. He was already saved. He wasn't talking about getting saved. You don't do You get saved one time. But you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You get, the, the object is to get closer to him. And hey, I'm simply saying the invitation is simply all, out there for all of us. Living a life of no prayer has ramifications. Living a life without regard for Jesus and his word and his will is a recipe for disaster in our own lives and in the lives of those who follow us. By the way, let me just highlight that for a second. You say, well, pastor, I'm pretty satisfied with where I'm at spiritually. Why don't you ask God to give you hunger and thirst for righteousness? And keep something else in mind. Someone's watching you. Someone's watching you. It may be son or daughter. It may be grand, uh, grandkids or whatever the case may be. It may be coworkers. It may be friends, family. I don't know who it is, but someone's watching you and living with no regard for Jesus and his word and his will carries consequences. The invitation to the saints. Numbers, and I finish with this, number four, the prescription for our problem. The prescription for our problem. He said, if any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. Notice what it says, and will sup with him and he with me. What a wonderful promise. You know, Jesus is waiting for you to simply open the door. Again, I'm talking this morning to those of us who are saved at this moment. For If you're saved, meaning you can think of a time in your life when you receive Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior, all right, you're saved. Names written in heaven, Lamb's Book of Life, and all that. You know that if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven. There's no question about it. He's talking to you, and he's talking to me. And he said, if any man hear my voice, he said, let him open the door, and I'll come into him. In other words, Jesus wants to be close to you. He wants to come home for dinner today. Amen? Yeah, that's right. Let me tell you something. You are as close to God right now as you choose to be. Don't miss that. You're as close to the Lord Jesus Christ right now as you have chosen to be to this point in your life. Now, if you want to get closer to Jesus, if you want him to to have a closer walk with you, then, then that's your choice. 
That's something that he, inv he invites you to make happen, so to speak. Just open the door. Say, hey, you know what? I want to I be more like Christ. I want to learn more about him. By the way, the way, you do, the way you learn about Christ is through his word. Hey, get here, every get here every chance you get. Every time the door is squeak on the hinges, man, you be here. Why? Because we're going to learn more about Jesus. Hey, we're going to find out how we can be more like him. We want to find out how we can love him more and serve him better. That's what it's all about. The prescription for our problem is simply this. Open the door. He said, I'll come in. I'll sup with him. I'll fellowship with him. Hey, look, hang the, <clears throat> okay, I've done my time. I've gone to church on Sunday morning. No, no, no. Why don't we get on our knees on Monday morning and say, Jesus, would you help me today? I'd sure like to spend some time with you today. He said, wonderful, I've got a book here that I've written, and it's for your, it's for your edification, it's for your, uh, your, your pleasure and your growth. It's a Bible. Boy, you read that Bible and you learn more about him on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. I'm not talking about necessarily hours and hours. Look, you've got a life, you've got to work, you've got family to take care of, you've got responsibilities. But hey, how much easier would life be if we spent that life with Jesus on a regular basis? the prescription for our problem. Let me conclude this morning by saying this. Christian, I know that Jesus is your Savior, but is He on the outside of your daily schedule? When was the last time you talked to Jesus on a Thursday? Or Saturday? Wait, wait a minute. Preacher. Saturday, Saturday. That's not Sunday go to meeting. Sunday is where we learn that we can walk with Jesus every day that we can have him with us all the time that we can serve him 247365 amen 24 hours a day 7 days a week 365 days a year and 366 on leap year hey it's a wonderful life if Jesus is with you in the schedule he said behold I stand at the door and knock he's on the outside let me say your life will be much sweeter much richer much fuller when you decide that it's not just a Sunday go to meeting thing, it's I'm going to invite him in. We're going to spend time together on a regular basis. Hey, what a wonderful way to live. Maybe Jesus is on the outside of your soul. There's some folks here this morning. <clears throat> you don't know Jesus as your Savior. You know what? Before he can come in and sup with you and, and you with him, before he can be a part of your daily schedule, you need to have him as the Savior of your soul. John chapter 3, verse 36, the Bible says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Hey, before Jesus can become your best friend, you've got to know him as your Savior. There's folks in this room, if you were to die today, you don't have the assurance in your heart that you're going to heaven. There's folks in this room, every time someone brings up death or eternity or life after death, you get a little nervous. Palms of your hands get a little sweaty. You get a little, a little uncomfortable. You know what that is? It's not a what, it's a who. It's the Holy Spirit of God who's bringing conviction into your heart, and he's trying to tell you, you need to listen. You need to listen. He that hath the Son of God hath life, hath everlasting life. But he that hath not the Son of God shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Two groups of people in here this morning. Christians, why don't you invite Jesus to be a part of your everyday life? Why don't you say, hey, I want to know more about the Lord. I want to grow in grace. I want to become closer to the Lord. I want to let him into my life, not just my Sunday morning go to meet in life, but I want to let him into my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday life. Hey, it's a wonderful life. 
And then there's those in here this morning who'd say, I don't even know I'm saved. I'm a little nervous just thinking about life after death. I'm a little scared thinking about the notion that one day I'm going to close my eyes in death and on the other side of this life, I don't know what there is there. Can I tell you something? You can know. You can know. You can know beyond any doubt that when you leave this earth, you spend eternity in heaven. But it's only through Jesus Christ. It's only through Christ. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him. I'll sup with him and he with me. What a wonderful promise. Let's not leave Jesus outside. It's really cold in Michigan this time of year to leave Jesus outside. Amen. Hey, we don't want to leave Jesus outside any time of year. We want him to come in. We want to grow. We want to get close to him. We want him to be our best friend. And he can be. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Every head bowed, every eye is closed.